this is Emily. And this is Bridget. And you're listening to Stuff Mom Never Told You. So Bridget, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Uh, full disclosure, I'm fighting off a bit of a cold. I had Aww. a weekend full of shouting and throat clearing. So if my voice Party sounds... Party-related shouting, hopefully? Uh, some. <laughs> so if my voice sounds a little bit um, raspy, it sounds like Kathleen Turner, kind of smoky, Ooh. that's why. Sans cigarettes this time. Exactly, yes. That's good. So this is the authentic way authentic. to get that just, raspy just voice. Just scream all weekend. Party your face off, is what we're saying, right? No. <laughs> Whatever that means to you. Dancing on tables, encouraged. So we've got a topic today. we got a hell of a topic. We've got a hell of a topic. Um, I don't even know if I should really, you know, say why this is a topic that's sort of near and dear to me, but I have a close friend, a close friend of many, many years. Um, we have kind of drifted apart. He is someone who I'm pretty solidly on the left when it comes to politics, and he is... Really? Bridget? I don't know if you've noticed. You're, you're a liberal? <laughs> I'm a pretty flaming yes. liberal. <laughs> Uh, he's a little bit just sort of, I don't even know what you would call him, a little bit like libertarian off the grid. Yeah. And he, you were talking about this article that I read in Reason about how young men in their 20s and 30s, more and more of them are not working and just sort of playing video games all day, and which to me sounded I thought it was a cliche. Yeah, like you when think that's... I thought you were like overemphasizing the video game thing. Like this sounded like a stereotype that Correct. I was immediately defensive over when we first started talking about this. Right. It's, I was like, this isn't real. That's exactly what I thought. I thought, you know, this is some anecdotal, like, like they're saying like, oh, well, maybe young men are just in their basements playing video games in mom's basement. Right. And Which sounds... It sounds absurd. Or it just sounds... Made up. It sounds like a, a very easy trope. Right. But actually, the research, according to this, this article in Reason, really bears that out, that more and more men are, are dropping out of the workforce. More and more of them are living at home or with a family member. And more and more of them are spending their time on what they call leisure activities, which includes video games. Right. Um, and what I thought was fascinating is that these guys, you might think, like, oh, if that was your situation, you'd be really sad and broken up about it. But actually, these guys are self-reporting higher levels of happiness and, you know, satisfaction in their situations than previously unemployed men. So basically, young men are a certain section of young men are staying home, living with mom and dad more and playing more video games and sort of in a kind of way dropping out of society. But they're cool with it. And there's a very political and gender component to this. Correct. And this is this is known by as their acronym, right? Men MGTOW. going yeah. their own way. I, I'm not, how do you, how MGTOW. would you? MGTOW. MGTOW? That's okay. how YouTubers are talking about it. It's not how I would have thought it was said. Men going their own way, which sounds great, right? You're it like, does do sound your great. Thing, yeah. Do you, Do boo. your thing. Do you. But when you, when you dive into the weeds about it, it, it has, it's, it's very much tied to a feminist backlash, right? These are men who see society as no longer really welcoming to them. Correct. And so whereas these guys who aren't working and like playing video games and Mom, mom and dad's basement, they're, the, the guys who are going their own way are sort of taking that idea a step further, saying, we are turning our backs on society. Feminists have made society a living nightmare for, right. you know, your average red-blooded American male. Therefore, we are turning our backs on it. We don't, And they're not engaging in any relationships, right? Correct. I don't so, mean to jump on you there. No, part of, part of their, their ethos is explicitly do not have relationships with women. And they, it's interesting because, you know, as 
people, as humans, we have a lot of us have sex drives. And so they have found all of these ways to get around that where they will have one night stands or use sex workers or they talk a lot on the forums um, about masturbating and sort of how they have used different ways of getting around not like of not having to have a relationship with a woman, but still be sexually satisfied. Right. As I was reading up on this, I found myself so speechless. I really didn't know how I was going to have a conversation about it because it is this is a philosophy. This is a strident philosophy that's like sort of an extreme part of the men's rights movement. Correct. What's interesting is that so it's very similar to the men's rights movement in that it came from this this um, visceral disdain for feminism. But it's different in that, you know, whereas men's rights uh, followers, they might think of themselves as pushing back against feminism and what they see as unfair gender norms or what have you via activism and things like that. People who follow men going their own way, they're reacting to that by just dropping off of society, right. saying, no thanks, done, Refusing washing their hands of it. to engage with the female population. Exactly. Plain and simple. And what I find interesting is this, and, and I have to I have to first say, having fallen down the rabbit hole that is YouTube videos from the MGTOW community and the Reddit threads yes. on MGTOW, oh my gosh. So I have to acknowledge that this is a philosophy of which there's a broad spectrum Correct. of subscribers, right? So there are people who... Uh, think women are, you know, there's more of the benevolent sexist involved in MGTOW that thinks, you know, this society needs to somehow cherish women, but that's not their role, right? right? That, that women have gone in a different, have become, that society has become mainstream feminized. Right. And they want, they want to return to men are masculine, right. women are feminine. And that's what, here's what that means. That's what's right. And then there's also the more extreme, very violent sounding wing of, of of subscribers of this philosophy who think women are evil, they are succubuses that want to drain you of your resources, and yes. that is their only purpose in life, is to ruin your lives. Like, a lot of it sounds like the projection of past pain through heartache or breakups or watching, you know, family dynamics in their own home. I've heard a lot of MGTOW YouTubers talk about their, their upbringing being, um, having reflected this role of woman as the woman who has taken freedom, money, and love away from the father figure in the life. These people and I do not, I don't feel like we have a um, very, we don't have a lot of overlaps in our (laughs) political ideology, I would imagine. But I found myself sort of feeling sorry for some of them. When you look at the posts that are on the Reddit community, for instance, a lot of them are angry and violent, but a lot of them are just really sad. It's a lot of men hurt. It's a lot of men describing you know, relationships gone bad where women have mistreated them in relationships, cheated on them. They're paying alimony. You know, they're paying for a kid they're not sure is theirs. It's these really, these stories that really, just really sound sad. Um, you know, and one of the things I found very interesting is that it's so easy. Like, I, I could easily imagine having a a person or a gender or something to blame all my problems on. Right. And, you know, my relationship that fell apart or my my partner who treated me badly or, you know, all of that, if I could blame it on, you know, women, I could see that being very seductive. I could see that being a, a ideology that would be easy to fall into. Yeah. And what I found surprising is when I was doing the research around this podcast, it's not just the sexual politics here of like women as being these alluring, evil seductresses who want to, 
you know, just get you to put a ring on it and then drain you of all your resources. And so men should resist the sexual sort of attraction that women are putting out there because it's all a trick. It's all a guise. But also what you opened the episode with is that undercurrent of real economics that do not treat especially working class men very well nowadays. Absolutely. So I have to say, one of the articles that I read when I was doing this research for this show was from a source that I I, I honestly cannot badmouth enough. They're awful and don't read them. They're terrible. Breitbart. News. Such yes. trash. Which is now in the White House. Correct. Yeah. Right? That is a, so that is a um, Steve Bannon, right. former head of Breitbart, uh, man who championed in um, the harassment of folks like Leslie Jones from Saturday Night Live by that awful guy Milo, oh, yeah, um, right. things like that. So, so really a terrible, terrible outlet. But they were one of the first outlets to really talk about um, this trend with men, and they they called it the sexitus. So, in this article on Breitbart, one of the things that I actually, as awful as they are, one thing that I have to say, I, I kind of identified with or that resonated with me is this idea that we're not we're not dealing with boys in a way that is helping them grow into successful, well-rounded, healthy adult men. And economically viable and competitive men writ large. Exactly. And it starts... And you know what's crazy is that that Breitbart article reminded me of The Atlantic Magazine's Hannah Rosen. The End of Men? The End of Men. So she writes this book, The End of Men, which comes from a... And I, I want you to talk more about that Breitbart article, but... I have to just plug here that this same argument is being made with very, but drawing very different conclusions that our society from grade school on up is in some ways economically transitioning from an economy that used to reward strong, burly mm-hmm. men who could make a middle class living through things like trucking and manufacturing and all the things that Donald Trump wants to bring back from the past right. that used to enable blue collar men to bring home the bacon and, and fill that traditional gender role. We have now shifted slowly, but towards a service-based economy that rewards empathic leadership, that rewards collaboration and communication. And our education system has adjusted, you know, respectively, which tends to reward the kinds of little kids that can sit quietly and be nice to each other and be kind and be empathic. And that just turns out tends to be writ large a female or, or you know, woman-like, girl-like human being. Totally. Those are definitely qualities that we associate with women right. and, and little girls. And so when I was thinking that, I thought, well, gee, are women really sort of better at these things? Or is that just what we say because, you know, gender roles? But actually, they've done studies. And so there was one study pretty recently by the Hay Group Division of Corn Ferry, and they indicated that women are 86% more likely than men to be seen as consistently emotionally competent. 18.4% of women demonstrate the competency consistently compared to just 9.9% of men. Uh, and so, and, and women are 45% more likely than men to be seen as demonstrating empathy consistently. And mm. so really what it is is that women and girls are being taught the value of what they call soft skills, uh, communicating, uh, working in a team, having a positive attitude, listening skills. These are not skills that for whatever reason men are, 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 are internalizing the way that women are. Women are ahead of, ahead of men in this, in this regard. And so, if we are switching to an economic system that really, you know, prizes these things, and we in fact are, because if you look at the statistics, employers say, you know, soft skills are just as important, as, if not more, than having hard skills like knowing how to, you know, do this or do that. And so these men, I think, can be – I don't think that we're preparing men to thrive in our society 
And I think that they this is going to be thought of as a reaction to that and feeling really marginalized and sort right. of isolated. Yeah. And this is straight out of Hannah Rosen's original article, The End of Men in the Atlantic magazine. She says, man has been the dominant sex since, well, the dawn of mankind. But for the first time in human history, that is changing and with shocking speed. Cultural and economic changes always reinforce each other. And the global economy is evolving in a way that is eroding the historical preference for male children worldwide. Wow. So people used to somehow politically unabashedly say that they prefer men or little boys. Right. And that has become like that is the retroactive sort of pendulum swing has gone in the opposite direction. Yeah. And so all of these alt-writers and men's rights activists and MGTOW folks are screaming, you know, the PC police have turned our society upside down and feminism is uh, aggressive and angry towards men and extreme radical feminists have ruined our ability as men to be respected and, and treated right. And this is this is like a fascinating underground look at how the MGTOW community sees their role as opting out. You know, in this society... I'm not doing it. I'm not. I'm out. And it actually... (laughs) When I was starting to read our notes on this, I was reminded of the moment that I decided I was going to break up with an old boyfriend of mine, a college-age boyfriend of mine. And I wonder what he would think of MGTOW. I wish I could talk to him about it, but then again, maybe I I don't. (laughs) But we were on a cross-country road trip with a girlfriend of mine from college... My boyfriend at the time and another guy friend of ours. It was four of us. And so it was him and his uh, fraternity brother in the front seat. And it was me and this other girl who was uh, a college-age girl who was my classmate at the time and my teammate at the time. And I remember us looking at each other in the back seat as the guys were talking about their love of video games. And listen, there's nothing wrong with a good video game, right? I play N64 like any true-blooded millennial (laughs) American myself. But... They talked about this fantasy that they were talking about. Like, I wish we could go back to the good old days of, I think they were putting this in the reference of summer vacation, because we were on a road trip in the summer, pre-college, year three or four. Uh, and they said, I just wish that I could, like, play video games all day, and then someone could just, like, spoon feed me. Wow. As I continue to play video games. So not only is that hor- like <laughs> so disturbing on so many levels, but it really it, it underscores the reason article that we opened the the show with because that's exactly what like in my mind that sounds horrible and pathetic and sad. Yes. These guys, it's for them they are reporting that that is the dream that, that they is are the dropping dream. out of society. And what's interesting about this article, I mean, I, I don't know, I I shared it with a friend who was an avid gamer, the friend I described earlier. Yeah. Um and he had issues with it, and so you know, I'm I'm no gaming expert. Do not write in if you're if this if what I'm about to say is not correct because I mean I am hashtag not... gamergate. What could go yeah. wrong? Right? Oh god, uh, I'm about to I'm about to get like. <laughs> but no, I mean they they interview these um fi- these well known video game developers in the article, and they talk about the ways that video games have gotten to be very very complex and that they do they do take more time to complete and like some of them are expansive where part of the game is just exploring this vast universe yeah, and that's part yeah, of the game right, and so right. you know when i was younger you think of a video game as you know you mario kart mario kart or, like yeah, yeah you save the princess maybe you know my, my brother could beat mario when we were growing up like very quickly like right. in an afternoon some of these games take 70 hours to even complete and it's oh, like yeah. things like that where it's not surprising to me that that feels like a 
decent way to live. It's an alternate reality in exactly. the most literal sense. And there are really brilliant people whose jobs are to make this alternate reality as amazing and as cool as possible. Exactly. Even cooler, one might say, than the real world if you're coming from this perspective. And I remember that moment when I was listening to these two guys talk, one of whom I was dating at the time, and I just looked at them and I was like, are you talking about a mom? Is that what you're talking about? You want a mom to spoon feed you? I mean, while not you even a mom does games? that. Well, I think he was talking about this, like, future ideal girlfriend of his. <sighs> not me. This was not, this was the friend. But I was just like, is that really appealing to you? And we had just come from his parents' house, and his mom had prepared this amazing spread of delicious cuisine from their country of origin. We had this amazing, delicious meal, but and 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 then we left the house, and they were fantasizing about being able to play video games and just have a mother-like figure spoon feed them. And I was like, I turned to my girlfriend in the back, and I had tears streaming down my face. Wow. I'm like, I've got like six more days in the car with these two, and I am breaking up with my boyfriend. I just decided right, <laughs> right now, here. And I there. could not bear witness to that agreement that that would be a cool way to go on with your life because I viscerally reacted totally. to it. And I think that's so that that might be something that is like uh, like rooted in our experiences as men and women, right? Because this article really drives home the fact that these guys are happy about this, what they're doing with their lives, and you know, if you're not working or if you're underemployed, right. video games can offer a kind of mimicry of work life where you have to complete tasks, productivity, exactly, and you th- can that excel. can excel, exactly. And so, that's part of me, it, when you said that, it sa- that sounds awful, right. but also I can kind of understand it. Well, it makes you, it, it, oh God, we're going to get so much gamer hate on this, but it makes you realize why the public streaming of video game play. And why people would watch other people playing video games right. because it is excelling in that own in that domain. And to someone who's not into gaming, I might think like, "Wow, that feels like a waste of time." But I know that that's just my judgment and my mm-hmm. values that are being that I'm sort of bringing to bear on that. So I think it's it's really kind of a stretch. It's been a stretch, at least for me, Bridget, to try to wrap my head around this and hopefully come at this topic with some empathy because it's concerning. I find it really concerning that I I want these young men just as much as I want young women to be able to thrive in our actual real society and to have a sense of belonging and love, which I think all people really should have. And yeah, I mean, I I completely agree. Part of me in reading up about this, it just made me very, very sad. And so uh, I think one of the things that we should really dive into is the sort of organizing principles of this lifestyle, which I think that we should do after a quick break. So we were just talking about men going their own way and the ways that men are sort of finding various ways to drop out of society, whether it's via not working and playing video games all day or expressly, you know, shunning women. Uh, so men going their own way, they have this, it's, it's a loose sort of term, but they do have a guiding set of principles that they call levels. And so if you want to be a very successful follower of men going their own way, uh, here's what you got to do. Wait, sorry. Can we just identify the irony here of this duality between going your own way and there being prescribed <laughs> rules to how to yeah. go your own way. If you're really going your own way, shouldn't you be shouldn't you be making that way on your own without it's bizarre. these rules? I mean I get what they're actually doing is they're organizing a community right. because people need connection. You hear that, MGTOWs? You need connection. And it's obvious because people are doing it. They're connecting right. online. But I find it really ironic that this this 
idea of like shunning society's expectations of what it means to be a man and like opting out means let's all opt out together in the same exact way. Yeah. That's it, just, yeah, that is such a weird culture irony, but I just had to point that yeah. out. Yeah. No, good flag. <laughs> so let's talk about these levels. So Level one, level zero is just basic situational awareness around, uh, gender. You've taken, quote, the red pill. And if you don't know what that means, we'll get into it in a second. You've embraced the idea that gender equality is just propaganda and a lie. Um, then you move up to level one, and that is rejection of long-term relationships. And so mm. that means, you know, you might have a short-term relationship, um, but you're not going to have, you know, a long-term girlfriend or, or female partner. And I, I was listening to some... MGTOW's the mayor of MGTOW as oh, a person God. on YouTube. And he was discussing the sweet spot for short-term relationships, which is dump them after about three months when they stop, like, putting out. That's that's what he was saying. He's saying women put out as mo- much as they'll ever put out in the first three months of dating because they're trying to woo you. They're trying to make you fall in love with them like the evil, succubus women that they are. So after three to four months, that's when you should always break up with all women. That was his philosophy on that. Well, first, I have so many questions. Like, how did they crunch the numbers on that? Like, three, where is that three, like, what is that three-month figure coming from? I'm very curious. Nothing. Yeah, it's it's based on nothing, I'm sure. Yeah. Um. So that's good to know. But he, he called it, like, the, um... The honeymoon face. Uh, but you know, you've, you've sure. a relationship, you've got a honeymoon face. But isn't it mildly sociopathic to be like, have a relationship, but not more than three months? Like, take these women who have invested some time in you, and you've, like, you've got to have some emotional investment. Right. Maybe not. I don't How know. How could you hang out with someone for three months and not and form an emotional attachment them. to them? There's really nasty rhyming words around blank and dump women too oh. out there. It's like this is his philosophy of like shunning long-term relationships, but it doesn't mean you can't have, you know, sex with them and then drop it like it's hot. Ugh, that it's, makes me sad. It's sad. Ghosting culture. It's too. so sad. It's yeah, okay. So then once you once you've mastered the art of, you know, <laughs> dating women for 3 months and then dumping them, uh, then you move on to level three, and that's economic disengagement. And so I think what's interesting about that is it really plays into just what we were talking about before, sort of recognizing the ways that this this movement is grounded in a kind of economic politics and not just gender politics. Right. So the economic en- disengagement level means that a member at this stage refuses to earn more money than is necessary for sustaining life. He views government as tyrannical and is actively trying to drain money from bureaucrats. And so another hallmark of this lifestyle is the sort of limited government, libertarian um, bent that it has where, you know, I make money to sustain myself and then... None of that money can be taken by anybody, whether it's a, you know, scheming, a scheming succubus female right, or right. the government. It's kind of aligned with this idea that affirmative action mm-hmm. is anti-men and anti-white. It's sort of saying any government programs are wealth de- dis- redistribution and that you are the agent of your own life. It's an extreme libertarian view, which says I'm going to earn enough money for me, but not for anyone else. Right. And I'm not going to. Even if someone does earn their own money or stand on their own feet, like some of the MGTOWs I was listening to uh, and reading up on on YouTube and Reddit, you know, they say, I'm not going to pay for anything for anyone else. It's like this lack of um, dependency. Right. Like this almost 
not just a fear of, it's like a, not just a phobia of, but like a refusal right. to be involved in any dependent relationship. Right. And uh, like a hostility toward relationships that are, that are that way. Right. Yeah. Which or is period. Yeah. Really relationships, period. Which some of the debate online was around, and I'm curious to hear from men who are listening, who like, there's this underlying assumption in all of the MGTOW philosophy that I've been reading up on that says, Anyone who wants to be in a relationship or wants to have a child must be female. Right. This underlying assumption that men are never voluntarily engaging in child rearing or procreation or relationships, and which I, boggles my mind. It's mind boggling. And it also, to me, goes against one of the sort of arguments or, or, or chief complaints that a lot of men's rights folks make that, like, in in custody situations, perhaps that our court systems are biased toward women. And so a lot of men's rights activists, probably rightly, like I I, I did some preliminary research on this and found a lot of studies that say like conflicting things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But it does seem like our court system, just anecdotally, I can confirm, seems to be biased towards the woman. And a lot of men are pushing back against that and saying, no, like, I want to have my kids. I want to raise my kids. I want to be around my kids. And so that does seem to be a strange... Definitely. Yeah. There's an understandable reaction here. From the world that, you know, on the whole, obviously we every, pretty much every other episode talks about how, uh, the fight for women's equality still has a long way to go, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean there aren't ways in which men are wrongfully discriminated against. Totally. In certain parts of our society, I think paternity law is definitely a part of that or, or alimony and, and looking closer at child custody battles. Definitely, there's some arguments to be made there. Yeah, and I think when you think about things like how um, domestic violence, when when men are victims, or rape, when, men, when yeah. men are victims, I mean, it's still a trope in our popular culture where men being raped is supposed to be funny, and it's it's not funny. Like, not that, funny. like That's not a joke, and I think we, we ask why we have this stigma against rape victims in general, but particularly male rape victims, and, you know, when there's stories about, you know, an older female teacher sleeping with, like, a young man, there's always someone who's like, oh... That's hot. She, it's, she, yeah. He must be having a great time, and it's like, no, no, those kinds of attitudes are really making it hard for male rape victims to, to speak up, and so I think that there are ways that men are treated unfairly in society, and I think we should be talking about those, but in my mind, I think that there's no reason why... I mean, if, if as a feminist, if I want to smash the patriarchy, that, in my mind that fits under, it's a big tent, right? And if I want to smash the patriarchy, that will help men get free too. And so the patriarchy makes victims of us all, right? Like women aren't, it's not great for women. It's not great for men. Nobody is winning under the patriarchy. And so if our, if our goal is to get rid of it and have more flexibility around gender roles and who can do what and, and, and how genders are treated, then surely men will be better off. Isn't it funny that, uh, to borrow a term, like what we're really trying to do by getting rid of patriarchy and patriarchal structures that limit gender roles is enable both men and women to go their own way. Exactly. Isn't that really what it's all about? So I think it's, I mean, I would love to see a live debate between, like, MGTOW, men's rights, feminists, like, on stage. Like, that should be a thing that happens. I would love, I would pay money for that. I would, too. I think some extreme empathy here can go a really long way. And that there are ways in which men and women are both prejudiced against in our society. And I'm thinking of an Audre Lorde quote here, I think, who says... Let's see. I am not free while any woman is unfree. That's what it is. Even when her shackles are very different from my Mm. own. And so you can take that, take, you know, she slash he there, you know, take the gender frame out of it. But really, 
gender roles are constraining for both men and women. And going your own way makes sense in a society that prescribes very stringent gender roles. But it shouldn't require demonizing the entire 51% of the of the world that is female or identifies as female. Right. And I, I think that there, I mean, to quote Bell Hooks, feminism is for everybody, right? Like, feminism... <laughs> I, I think I see feminism as helping men. Yeah. I, I think it helps everybody, right? There's, I feel like there's no one who is, who is not well served when we have a, a wider understanding of gender roles and we are sort of more free to be ourselves. I couldn't agree more. I'm just cracking up thinking about a MGTOW subscribing person. Listen to us quote Bell Hooks and Audrey Lord. Be like, <laughs> see? We all get, agree. We We're get all on the well. same page. Well, something that I found fascinating <laughs> about that, I mean, it's, it's funny, but it's also kind of true. There's a really great um, article in the New Statesman a few years ago by Lori Penny that I completely uh, personally identified with uh, about whether or not women, younger women, would be better served by kind of a purposeful singlehood. The article is called Maybe You Should Just Be Single. And basically, she argues that in heterosexual relationships, women are sort of groomed to do most of their emotional labor in relationships. And right. so if you're if you're in a heterosexual relationship, as the woman, you are the one who is, you know, doing, if, if you're not doing most of the child, the, the stuff around the house, you are the one who is sort of project managing it. So even if your partner is helping, they're helping because you're saying, do this, do that, do that. And that still takes work. You're the one who's cooking the meals. Right. You're the one who's remembering the birthday card, remembering, to, you know, to get the flowers, what have you. And that, if you think about all of the, the time that women spend kind of like putting into, into, into relationships in this way, that if you are a young a young person or a creative person, you actually might be better served putting that Time. energy yeah. into yourself and exactly. saying, I'm gonna be a writer, I'm gonna be a painter, I'm gonna be an activist, I'm gonna be a singer, like or I'm gonna just work on myself and and, and take care of myself. And so part of me Maybe this is way off base. No, no, no. This is sees them as two sides of the same coin. Totally. I think there's a milder, like less extreme MGTOW subscriber who says that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm opting out of relationships, just like you said, level four, opting out of long-term relationships because I want to focus on myself. And I think that's when things get up to level what what is it? Level three economic disengagement, mm-hmm. and then level four to go back to that. Yeah, that's level- when that's when I think we go away from the mainstream young male or female who's like, yo. Let's have casual sex because I'm working on my writing career. You know what I mean? Isn't that just called being a young, an emerging adult? That there's nothing that radical about that. So I think it's definitely a spectrum and it gets weirder. So level four is pretty much the most extreme. So when you get to level four, they call it societal disengagement. This is as far as a mainstream uh, man going his own way can go. Here the man refuses to interact with society. And I just find that, I mean, that is so telling that you are the the highest level that a man can get to who is go, a man going his own way is disengaging with society you you're no like you're and i think yeah like that being a an, an ideal i find fascinating and that's on their website these Correct. levels yeah so this is like i want to know who the cult leader is behind this cuz that's where ideologue and ideology and philosophy turns into a cult when you're actually actively encouraging people to self-harm. Social isolation is harmful for your mental health. Yes. We covered that in our first topic. Yeah, you need to have friends. Can we be friends, right? You have to be engaged as a human basic need. So this idea of not just celibacy, but disengagement financially, economically, socially from society is a really dangerous thing in a world where we still have mostly young men getting crazy, arming up, locking and loading, going out there 
and shooting a bunch of people. Yeah, and, we- and something I found really fascinating to kind of build off that point, again, in, in the Reason article, this economist at George Mason University, Tyler Cowen, makes this point that if men, particularly men who are unemployed or underemployed or, or, or you know, not educated, if they didn't have things like video games or whatever to sort of occupy their time, they could be out in the streets causing real chaos. And so he says, hmm. in terms of behavior and performance, uh, variances for men are always higher. That is, men are more likely to exhibit extremes of character and behavior, both positive and negative. Huh. A whole generation of men obsessively playing video games during the prime decades of life might not be ideal, but most would agree it is preferable to riots. Wow. And so on the one hand, that's kind of scary. Yeah. <laughs> but on the other hand, I mean, is, is this it the worst thing in the world? Like, right. I can sort of understand yeah. why yeah. it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world right. to have men feel the need to drop out of society in these various ways, whether it's video games or through men going their own way. I still feel like that's not great. Like we want to engage those people. But if their underlying life philosophy is that the whole society has become what is it, gynocentric? Gynocentric. They call that's it the idea. Gynocentric, y'all. Yeah, the idea that like society is just Women are ruling everything. We're in charge of everything. We make all the rules like, for everything. Pointing in the direction of that society. Yeah, wouldn't it? I mean, how are we seeing the same world and coming to such different conclusions? I don't understand. You it. didn't know we're running stuff now. We're like running it's all the us? world. Damn, Beyonce said it, so it must be true. <laughs> so, I mean, I think if that's their underlying philosophy, then maybe it is better off that they're not in- engaging. Maybe it's better that you're not in the dating pool with men who believe that. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the alternatives, I think, to just sort of shunning society and saying, I'm not going to be involved in it at all, are men who treat women really badly. Men who use women for sex under, what's what I'm looking for? The guise? Yeah, under the guise of something else. You know, people like pickup artists, people who their whole point is they just want to, you know, have sex with women. And I'm not saying... What's that book? The pickup artist book? Um, Do you remember that? It's like, um, it, it got really big when I was in college. Tucker... Oh, Tucker Max. Max. Tucker Max. And he was like one of the loudest, most vocal pickup artists on the internet in the early 2000s. So I think guys liked Tucker Max and the pickup artist sort of world is a very active part of the men's rights movement. But do they get along? So there's actually a lot of uh, drama between the pickup artist world and the men going their own way world. Mm. Pickup artists feel that men should be sleeping with women, you know, they should not be having, you know, emotional attachments to them, but they do feel like they should be having sex with women as many as they can. And so pickup artists, they see men who are men going their own ways as kind of losers who are pathetic, who um, are saying, you know, basically pickup artists believe that women, having sex with women or getting women to have sex with you can be gamified and that men going their own way are too lazy to sort of learn Com- learn the compete or to compete yeah. exactly. They're like losers, basically. Yes. Yeah, that's interesting. How it's funny that they see women in the same light of being out to get you. Exactly. But you know, one type of male wants to compete and gamify it and objectify women in the process, and one says, "No, thank you. This whole world is stacked against me." It's a very depressing a way of viewing the world, which is it's like passive, not active. Like you mentioned in the very beginning, there's no activism here. It's the world is stacked against me. I'm a, I'm a dude. All the cards are not in my favor and I'm opting out in this world that is oppressing men. And one of the things I, I, that struck me when I was doing like scrolling through the men going their own way communities is how many men seem to express this kind of almost terror 
around saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing around women and, yeah. and sort of being like, oh, I'm going to get branded as a creep or a rapist or pedophile. a pedophile yeah. and, and sort of this, this real anxiety around how to have a healthy relationship with a woman and sort of being so scared and kind of flummoxed by this that they're like, it's not worth it. It's not worth being branded a creep, a pedophile, a rapist. It's not worth, you know, trying in a society that's not going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I think that's where there's some legitimacy to this that we should talk about when we come back. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with more MGTOW fun for you listeners. And we're back. And this has been kind of a mind melter for me. It just sort of blew my mind to come to find out um, just how visceral the backlash to gender equality can be. And we are going to talk in a minute about how this is historical and how this isn't all that surprising, I suppose. But I think it's important that we acknowledge the very real financial crunch that young men in particular right now are facing in this economy and are witnessing, especially in the first five or so years of their careers, like women outpacing men. Totally. That's especially true for younger women. And, you know, when you're in your 20s, these are the times when you're just starting out. Mm -hmm. This time, studies always show this, this time is very foundational for, for folks and their professional development. So if you have a rocky start, you're more likely to sort of struggle for longer. But if you start right. out with a college degree, sure. you know, making gains professionally when you're in your 20s, like that period is so foundational. And Emerging we really are adulthood. seeing. Yeah. Meg, exactly. Dr. Meg Jay has a great TED talk on that, how the 20s are not a throwaway decade. In fact, it's a really important decade that's foundational to relationship building and economic viability, which is complicated by the fact that women have been earning more undergraduate and graduate degrees than young men for almost 30 years now. Yeah, women are really outpacing men when it comes to uh, getting college degrees yeah. and finishing college. And in this article that uh, here from Reason.com, economist Eric Hurst mentioned that when they started tracking this, uh, unemployment and a lack of sort of professional viability the first start of your career among men versus women, back in 2000, between 2000 and 2015, they found the percentage of lower skilled men aged 21 to 55 who had a job dropped from 84% to uh, to 77%, which he said was, quote, a massive change relative to historical levels. So really, just like we go back to Hannah Rosen's argument in The End of Men, her book, her article in The Atlantic, and you've got to watch her TED Talk, the economic downturn, the Great Recession, was very hard on men, especially blue-collar working-class men. And he noted that 22% of men in their 20s who did not have a college degree in 2015 had not worked a single day during the previous year. Wow. So 2015, 2014 to 2015 was a rough year for men in their 20s who lacked a college degree. And if more and more men are are not finishing college and more and more women are, you can sort of see how that sets into motion this a system that can feel very unfair where the deck the deck does seem stacked against you. Yeah. And then you couple that with the rising popularity and mainstream element of feminism right now. It's a very vocal gender equality movement. That's great. I think there's a great component to a lot of that. And I can also see how it would be very threatening to 
a working class former coal miner who's been out of work and who doesn't have the tools in this economy to become a skilled uh, laborer in the service economy that we now have, you know, thinking, take me back to the to make your America great again. Right. Because now yeah. the cards are stacked against me and I, I don't identify as this being progress. So I, I just I can see the appeal of the MGTOW movement. Um, and apparently, like you, we were talking a little bit off air just now. There's a historical coupling between feminism's rise and the men's rights backlash. There definitely is. And so I'm sure that a lot of these men going their own way types probably think this is a brand new thing. Like they've come up with this exciting new way of sticking it to the feminists. Right. But actually, <laughs> men making their own counter movements as a response, as a direct response to feminist gains, you know, women's rights, those kinds of things has a lot of grounding in historical precedent. This happens pretty regularly. According to Dr. Tristan Bridges, assistant professor of sociology at the College of Brockport, who works on a journal called Men, Masculinities, and Methodologies, she says that when we look at the historical record, that that's what it shows. Men start to get pissed off and want to talk about masculinity and change masculinity right after there's been some sort of transformation in femininity. Uh, when these kinds of things come up, I think historians would say something significant has happened with respect to gender inequality and that men are feeling their position of privilege as challenged. And this is a cultural reaction that mm. takes place after that happens. Right. And so one of the things they talked about is um, in the uh, during the suffragette movement, they had a lot of men's clubs that sprang up in response to that. Um, in the 80s and 90s, you had the mythopoetic men's movement that started as a response to second wave feminism and really championed men. Um, so this is not a totally new phenomena. Right. And this idea that it has a very new life online. That's what I think is very unique about this. So the whole, we mentioned earlier this idea of red pill versus blue pill. It comes straight out of the matrix, which if there's any movie that signals the new world of online reality, it's the matrix, in my opinion. And there's also a conspiracy component to that yeah. that I think is really enticing. So in the movie, right, Neo, the, uh, the the main character who has got kind of a god complex in this movie anyway he's definitely sort of the one uh, is offered the red pill or the blue pill and the red pill is the truth pill right the, the truth like you will be here yeah the red pill if you take the red pill you have so here's here's like the actual quote from the movie yeah you take the red pill you I gotta do it in a in a, in a Lawrence Fishburne yeah. voice <laughs> I just realized <laughs> I was it. like I don't sound like him at all. <laughs> You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Right. Morpheus tells the chosen one. And so in what they deem is a broken system, they, the MGTOW sort of subscriber, is Neo, this person with potentially a messiah complex. Uh, but in their mind, they're the only ones that see the world correctly. They see the light. So it does feel like a new movement. Yes. Even though historically... Men's rights movements have often cropped up as a reaction to an, an emerging and changing definition of the female role model. But this one feels very different in its isolation and its life online. It's, yes. it's sort of like a detachment from the truth that they see this gynocentric, you know, m what is it, misandry world that we're living in. And they're opting instead to to live a life of isolation, solitude, anti-woman, or sort of just opting out of engaging with women for all the problems that come with that. And one thing I find really interesting about that is that when you go to the, the, like the Reddit subreddit for men going their own way, not only is it filled with these, you know, stories I described earlier of men with terrible problems with women, but it's also talking about video games, talking about, you know, like mountain biking. It's it's clearly these are people who are using 
online communities to kind of tap in because everyone needs social interaction. They are right. they're sort of creating their own kind right. of men's only club on places like Reddit. Yeah. But then infusing that with this aspect of like, oh hey, did you guys see the big fight last weekend? Also, I hate women, right? <laughs> like it's a weird combination of both kind of normal right. community building and also yeah. anti feminism. Yeah. Sorry, you're you're absolutely right. I'm just so jazzed about this. I want to jump in here because they would argue that they don't hate women. They would argue that it's dangerous to be near women and be involved with women because you're going to be accused of rape when you didn't do anything wrong, and you're going to be uh, you're going to end up having to pay child support for a child you never consented to have with right. anybody. You're going to be called a pedophile if you sit next to a kid on an airplane, like. That's the world that they see as being dangerous and stacked against them and, and out to get them. And right. so, you know, I think there's a wide spectrum of sexism that underlies all of that. When Whenever you're basing, you know, someone's character on their gender alone, that that's, you know, that's going to be prejudicial. But I get it. I, I, I don't know. I just I'm like, I'm pretty speechless about this topic, even though we just talked a lot about it, because I'm left feeling conflicted. Like, do we reach out to the men in our lives who we suspect are parts of like how have you dealt with this with your friend um that's a great question um i think with my friend and i hope he doesn't listen to this <laughs> this is me on pyramid scheme. If, if you do babe i'm sorry you know i love you but yeah. stuff's gotten weird uh you know i think for me i just want to remind my friend and all of these men that society can be scary society can be heavy I under I I understand even though I'm like a lefty feminist, I understand what it feels like to feel like you don't know how to compete in this world. I understand what it feels like to feel like if you say the wrong thing, everyone's gonna be calling you a racist and trying to get you fired. Mm. I under I understand that. I understand that that is scary and big and vast, and exploring that can feel like a minefield. I get that. We have a lot of similarities there, and that I think that as women and as people of color, we often feel that way about society. Society is heavy and scary, mm. but. You can't just retreat from society. Like you like we are all in this together. And I think yeah. when you say, you know, I'm taking my ball and going home, that it doesn't work like that. We are all in this together. We all get scared. We all it's it's, a, it's scary for all of us to explore. And so yeah. if you are listening, my friend out there, I, I want you to know that that you're not in this alone, even though it feels that way, but that the answer is not retreating from society mm -hmm. the answer is figuring it out together yeah. and to do that we have to be we have to stay in society and in communication with one another right and right? We, we can't and we can't assume the worst of each other right because there are plenty of bad people out there yeah men and women who would want to take you for all your worth definitely but to say that all women are or all men are is not fair either way exactly or that you have to right you know have no contact with women because of because of that right and i think that you know Women, listen, it's real out here in these streets. Women deal with really scary stuff from every men at, at insane levels every day. So we get it. And we're still out there, right. you know, trying to make it work for us. Right. And so there's an element of being willing to be vulnerable that's essential to relationships writ large. And I'd say that relationships are worth it. At the at, On our deathbeds, what do we all talk about? We talk about the people in our lives and spending more time with them. Nobody wishes they spent more time at work. Nobody wishes, I would argue, that they spent more time beating that next level in the video game. Although maybe, you know, gamers prove me wrong. But I think the relationships in our lives, good, bad, ugly, many or few, are 
the foundation to a, a meaningful life. And I think that what you just said just like gave me chills because when I think about my friend, that's all I and and all of these men like like I I hope I'm come I I, I don't mean to look at these men. I, I want to have empathy for them, and I really am not trying to like make fun of them and be like, oh, you guys are such losers. Right. That's, that's not how I feel. I genuinely. It worries me that people are missing out on having a full, meaningful life that includes healthy relationships that are romantic, that are sexual, that are professional, that are social, that are familial, all of them. And it makes me sad to think of someone who is so afraid and anxious, like taking that away from them, because I think society is better when we're all happy and fulfilled and loved. Yeah. I like crying. I love it. No, I think I think it's real. I think it's it's scary what happens when we turn away from each other. So, like you're saying, let's let's turn towards one another, even when it's real and ugly. I adore you, Bridget. Love you, E. Um. Okay, y'all. This was a weird episode. I think we can all agree this was weird as hell. So. Please get weird with us. We want to hear. <laughs> we want to hear. Let's get weird. We want to hear. I'm sure our Twitter feed's about to get weird when this one goes out. So what the hell do y'all think about this? Send us a tweet at MomStuffPodcast. Shoot us a message or post on Instagram at StuffMomNeverToldYou. And as always, you know we love reading your emails. Hit us up in our inbox at MomStuff at HowStuffWorks.com. <laughs> <laughs> 